welcome to the Beastified Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. This is a show dedicated to inspiring you to treat your body and mind the way it should be treated. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. Our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior within and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Deep and often intense, these conversations are released every Wednesday and are designed to inspire, educate, motivate and encourage you to discover, uncover, unlock and unleash your potential. In this episode of the Beastified podcast, we're joined by Sully Breaks. I would just like to say straight off, we've got you a great episode lined up today. In a few years back, when we were both just on the cusp of our awakening, or our own journey, we used to have, a get- have get-togethers where us and a few friends, where we'd just get one person to pick a random video on YouTube, and Sully's videos were certainly videos that came up quite a lot for us. But when the name Sully Breaks is mentioned, one of the three following words spring to my mind, and that's charismatic, controversial, and real. Sully is a lover of written word and spoken word, Sully also is a visionary and undaunted by the restrictions found in conventional poetry, leading him to push the boundaries in a bid to inspire and inform a generation. An artist, speaker and writer, Sully is often considered an inspiration by those who have met him, watched or even listened to him. And I think in life, every now and again, you come across certain individuals who are blessed with the power of speech, and Sully certainly falls into that. It's clear to see why he's regarded by the current generation as a true role model of inspiring people. I know you're going to find some inspiration out of this podcast, so without further ado, Sully Breaks. So how's your day been, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. um, Yours? Mm, Really well. Just been preparing for this and looking forward to it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Sully, I'd just like to say welcome to the uh, Beastified podcast. We've actually um, been following your work for a while, and um, we're just so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you. Uh, it's cool, man. Pleasures all mine, like I said before, man. It's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I, yeah, I checked out your site, man. Some cool stuff. That's great. But um, we've, Sully, we've been like huge fans of your work for a while, and actually like a, a few years ago, actually when we both first started our unconscious journey let's say like we used to have like get-togethers where we had friends around our house and then we'd get one person like pick a random video on youtube and then would let them would like sink our teeth into it and then one person's video that obviously always came up was yours all the time oh six six yeah yeah so your work is really such a great inspiration to many where i think uh, a cool way to start this will be to go back to the start of your journey yeah and, and go right back to the younger sully and Going to the moment where you decided to grab a camera and record your first inspirational talk, what was that moment like and why did you decide to go on to pursue a life in poetry as an artist, speaker and writer? Um, I guess the, the, the journey is an interesting trajectory because, I mean, it was, I kind of had two kind of, I guess, reinventions or rebirths. You know, there was the younger Sully, he was kind of like, I've always been... Um, I've always been imaginative, I've always liked creativity, I've always liked history and ideas and exploring, you know, like Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, like from a very young age, my dad was very into like philosophy and stuff. So that's always been a part of my 
childhood, you know what I mean? It's always been ideas which I've enjoyed. I've always read comic books and understood philosophy. It's just interesting stuff like that, you know. I like reading Tolkien. I've always yeah. been creative. And I guess in between that Sully and this Sully, you know, now there's a period whereby that aspect of me kind of got suppressed as a result of just mainly, I guess, trying to fit in with my peers mainly. And just it just wasn't conducive to the environment I was growing, growing around. So I was always still into these kind of things, but I wasn't as, as spoken or as as expressive with the aspect of myself. And it wasn't really until... So I went through numerous stuff. You know, I was into sports when I was young. I used to play basketball. And, you know, yeah. and then and then it kind of like... When that didn't work out, that was one of my biggest passions outside of doing all the creative stuff. Um, and then when that didn't work out, it was like the conventional route was to go to um, university. So I studied law. And I guess it wasn't until I graduated where I kind of... Or just before I graduated that I started feeling the tug or the the resistance of that side of me starting to reemerge because obviously I went to, I went to university in Sheffield so that meant I was isolated from a lot of the people I grew up with so it gave me a lot of time to have a lot of in, independent thought and also you know like um, my wife now and when I met her she was kind of like what do you enjoy doing and she'd seen me perform my poetry and she was like if you enjoy doing it maybe you should pursue it. And so when I graduated, I guess gra- graduation was kind of like the finality of that schooling period of you have to do this and you have to be, in, you know, I, 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 and for many people, I feel like it's a crossroad whereby you make the decision for the first time in your life of many, whether you pursue the route that's been given you or you make an alternative decision. For me, that was that that was that turning point. So upon graduating, it was like I'm going to pursue something which I'm passionate about, something which actually stirs me. So it did start out with me writing, you know, writing the poetry and the spoken word and speaking. And then along that process, I I started to discover different things about me because I was so independent of a system that I'd been forced into. I guess I had, I had to kind of discover a new way of living or a new a, a new understanding of society. So that caused me to delve into like reading books of a different nature. Predominantly growing up, I'd read like fantasy and, you know, adventure books and comic books. And now it was kind of like I was reading books which which were about self-development because they were conducive to what I was trying to do as well. I was trying to develop myself and grow in my art. And there was just these books that kind of spoke to me. So I started reading that. And that was kind of like where mm-hmm. the real re-education of myself happened. And I started learning and becoming a new person. And then as a byproduct of that, just understanding about business and growth and passion YouTube was kind of like a no-brainer you know I started to veer towards less conventional channels of trying to be accepted by like mainstream TV or or media and etc and I was like how do I build something that I can own so then YouTube which I'd always used to upload certain my videos videos that I made or performances here and there just became a massive kind of a massive kind of platform for me now it took on a new life and I started to study it and the process was the emotions behind that process of uploading my first YouTube video. It was, I mean, I'm used to being on stage, you know. I'm used to, like, speaking in yeah. front of people. So it wasn't as nerve-wracking, you know. I mean, if anything, it was a bit strange because I was like, I'm just speaking into a camera, like, who's really listening as opposed to an audience who's normally in front of you and you're ready to um, to express to them. So then mm. I started doing that and I kind of developed some consistency from that and then just, after two years, I think things just started to take off, and yeah, um, where I am now, that's like the shortened version of it. <laughs> oh, Sully, were there any people that influenced your thinking? Um, do you mean like people that were close to me, or just people in general? 
um, people in general, like people who really inspired your creative consciousness? Um, I think the first, I can say the book I credit really to change my outlook on life was is is Paulo Coelho. So his 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 book, The Alchemist, really um, broadened my perspective of how how um, for me it gave me a lot of reaff- um, it's like you you've been thinking something your whole life, and that book kind of reaffirmed a lot of things I've been thinking. So that kind of made me delve into reading a lot of books about self development. So I guess um, Robert Greene was someone who's very influential for me, and also. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, their philosophies were kind of really influential. And then as a result of me just liking, just being creative and, and liking stuff, there's always been a lot of rappers. You know, I've always been a big fan of Jay-Z and Nas, um, Tupac. I, I love Tupac stuff. And, yeah. and then um, in the realm of sports, you know, I used to like basketball. So um, Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant, um, they were really like, athletes I, look, I, I looked up to you know and then there was always so I, I had a broad range of range of of influences about create from a creative standpoint I really think it was maybe the more the musicians that I listened to at the time and then from a development standpoint it was more the books that I read like Robert Greene Robert Kiyosaki and um um Paolo Coelho yeah that's cool so um, we noticed on you you have a statement saying that I'm not a role model what does that mean you and why do you say that um because you know what it is I think people people like using other people as excuses. You know yeah. what I mean? People use other people as, as an example, and then they end up vicariously living through other people rather than taking the steps, that, the necessary steps they need to take in their life. So I, yeah. I kind of got to a point where everybody always says to me, um, "What should I do?" And if I don't give them an answer, if first I give them an answer, they'll follow the answer down to a T, which I don't think is right because. My whole philosophy is that I don't want your thinking to be influenced by me or by anyone. I want you to find who you are and you find that individual path. So it comes to the point where I wasn't even given advice anymore. It was like I was telling people what to do. And people were kind of like taking everything I was saying as, as, as gold or what I was saying as gospel. Or people were like, oh, um, whatever Sully does, I'm going to do. You know, I'm, I'm only human. You know, the whole, yeah. the whole point, I'm... I'm kind of a lot of I speak about is kind counterculture and like against um, the current education system is that I don't want you to believe there's just one perceived way of doing something you know whether that be my way or someone else's way I want you to develop your own way and I think for young people it's so influenced easy for them to be influenced by one individual and that that's what I was finding and I kind of wanted to make clear that listen I'm just one example of many that you can take I'm just one voice out of many that you can listen to. I don't want mine to define you. I want you to, to be yourself. I don't want you to be like me. You know, if you be yourself, then hopefully I can learn of you. You know, we can learn of each other. But I guess th- that was the thinking behind that. It's been something that's been um, bothering me for a few years now. So I just put that as my Twitter state. It's just like, it's like fucking around and I just left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so powerful, by the way. Ah. Like, one of your latest tweets uh, was really inspiring as well, like, which was, uh, life can be pretty frustrating when you have to ask yourself, is there not enough answers or is there too many questions? Like, what questions do you think people should look inside and ask themselves? Ah, the biggest question, that, that's, a, that's a hard question in itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest question you need to ask yourself is who, who are you really in it? Like, yeah. Because it's, it's hard, that's such a hard question to ask. 
Like even and, and the fact that that cha- that question changes on a day to day, not on a day to day basis, but the person you are last year is not the person you are this year. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and trying to find who you are as that person is so is so fucking difficult, especially when there's like so many different external factors telling you that this is who you are or that's who you are, or then there's pressure to be, you know, and then there's yeah. pressure to be the person that everybody looks up to. But then it's like, is that really the person you are? So I think it's, that that's the I think that's the biggest question. I think I feel like I've asked myself that question like maybe once a day like this every, like the past two months you know because it's something that you it's easy to to get comfortable in one answer and forget to keep growing mm-hmm. i think so like a lot of people are, are misguided because they look so externally in instead of internally for their answer like that's why probably a lot of people ask you like um for your advice and that's why you've now got the um your slogan itself like saying i'm not a role model so people should just really look inside and find themselves totally. to, to who they are. Totally, I 100% agree, man. And it takes time. So, it takes time to do that, and it takes patience and faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like people always want this quick fix as well, mm. and that's that's I think that's the society in a ge- general in a sense, to be honest. Yeah, for mm-hmm. real, that's exactly what it is. Everyone wants a quick fix. Everyone wants to w- wake up the next morning and have everything. But yeah, never works like that. Mm-hmm. Sully, something um, I wanted to say was your thoughts on um, freedom. Because I think it's every human being's right to have freedom. Mm. And like m- many people, the word freedom can like mean many things. But I was wondering, like to you, Sully, what does the word free or freedom actually mean to you? For me, freedom. I feel like I'm fairly free now. I like the fact that mm-hmm. I can I can do what what moves me or what motivates me every single day, and the fact that I can wake up some some well not every day, but I can wake up when I want, how I want. The biggest frustration for me when I used to work like. I used to work in retail, like supermarket, was that even if I wanted to go and use the toilet, I had to tell someone when, when I, was, I was going to use the toilet. And then when I was, if I was too long in the toilet, then you'd hear on the announcement, you know, could this person return back to the till? And for me, that, yeah. that was slave, slavery, you know. So I guess for me, a big part of freedom is being able to wake up with the purpose that you intend for yourself rather than someone else is intended for you. And mm-hmm. and and I guess like you like that's another thing you have to constantly reevaluating because even when you are doing what you're passionate about, you are confined to like like I'm sure you guys have a schedule you have to stick to with your podcast and you know you have yeah. to so, you know so even then like you always have to reevaluate the freedom and see wh- where it comes from. I think one of my biggest philosophies is like I, th- I think Bruce Lee said it, but I can't remember. Um, it's about being like water, you know, being being malleable, you know. You know, yeah. it's always changing, and I feel like that's how I see freedom as well. So um, that's how I see a lot of things in life. But freedom for me is definitely waking up with a purpose that you have designed for yourself, and you, and you have to work for that. Mm-hmm. So, Lee, I, I loved how you said being able to wake up and do do what you love every morning is freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Like some some do find freedom in different things, like maybe family, health, and religion. Yeah. But what does the word like freedom actually mean to people? It's really interesting one because all through life and all through human time as well, as a human man and a woman as well, people have been searching for it. Mm, totally. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, there's, you find that there's never one answer, so it's like... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, Sully, what do you think is stopping many people from being free? What, um, what, is, what do I feel is stopping people from being free? Um, just, 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 there might, I feel like a lot of people's mind has been constructed by someone else and they never take time to deconstruct that mm-hmm. construction you know I was, I was reading a book the other day by a guy called Oshu Freedom and it talks about how 
parents are giving um, children advice on things they don't know the answer to themselves, you know, or like people are, are giving people like um, people are construction realities for people that and the people are not creating their own realities. So you've got this dogma or this stigma as to like how you should live. Maybe you should you should work like this job. You should earn this much a year. You should live in this part of London to prove you're successful or you need to do yeah. that. And I think the the more you adhere to every single convention that you haven't created for yourself, the more you're inhibiting your freedom because it's 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 so attached to what other people have designed as freedom. How are you ever gonna listen to your own voice and understand what your freedom is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think being free like of the constraints that we're placing ourselves, I think is a result of like societal conditioning mm. rather than letting like a job or even like an exam result define us in my opinion. Yeah. It's a big it's a big one for me because being free like being free ourselves, telling ourselves that we're not defined by those sort of things. Maybe it's not about leaving a job or career. It might not even be about maybe like you've gained freedom. Maybe it's all about a state of mind which differs for each individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. totally agree, man. The more you let something that you like, you don't really something define you. You know, like you said, it's not about you. It's not even about leaving your job or career. Sometimes it's just about going in there and being happy, like with doing what you're doing. You know, or knowing that you're doing it for a reason that makes you happy. You know, yeah. like I know, um, like I know a lot of uh, like for me, someone who works a job and and they can come home and provide for their family. Although they may hate the job, the fact that they provide for their family makes them happy. I think there's an yeah. element of freedom in that, you know, because you know, because we all have to do things we don't like. The, pur- yeah. the purpose behind it is that you're waking up and you're feeling fulfilled when you see what the um, the end result of your actions. Mm-hmm. Like to me, Sully, I believe that freedom has been so glorified as well in the media. Like you see many Instagram posts about people living on beaches, living in high rooftop apartments. Like everyone is drawn into this sort of like American dream. Yeah. And yeah. they feel like freedom is like the ultimate form of expression. And when you're finally free, in most cases, people think financially free. Yeah. And that yeah. is for a lot of people. But now is the time, like for freedom for me though, is now is the time I can do whatever I want. Like where as soon as we really understand that freedom is that we realize that we can be free whenever we choose. Totally. We, we, can, we can think whatever thoughts we want. We can become whoever we want. That to me is true freedom. Exactly, and and if you and if yeah, I totally agree, man. If you think your reality and you live by it, then you're free. You know, it, no, I mean it's easy to get caught up, like you said, in a lot of the yeah. things you see that I suppose be representations of freedom. But I mean, if someone has to show you how much their how how free their life is every single time by showing you their house and all that kind of stuff, essentially they're slaves to your someone else's opinion because they feel yeah. their their justification or their validation comes from someone else being like. Oh, I want that, you know, and then that's another form of slavery, and that's why I feel like it's 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 so like you have to keep on reevaluating these things, and I f- I think that's why I enjoy about life as well, the fact that I can be one person tomorrow, like you said, and then t- the next day think I can shape my own f- my own who I am and what and what makes me free. Mm-hmm. I think every everyone in society Sully, looks for patterns and maybe not even taking their own responsibility for their actions and they're looking to blame a certain aspect like. Where do you think the problem lies? Is it the government? Is it us? Is it something more? I, I think it's always going to be have to be down to the individual. I mean, the government has a role, you know what I mean? And we're subject to their laws and, and a lot of the things that they put in place. But ultimately, there's always individuals in society that break the mold or, you know, um, that, that are able to, to thrive or attain their freedom outside of where any, any kind of system is ever put in place. 
you know, and I yeah. feel like we don't really have an excuse because the way I view life is if one individual is able to do it, then there's not saying that I will be able to do it, but there's a potential possibility for me to be able to do it. And as long as I'm striving for that potential possibility, it means that I'm making my life better, you know. And through, and through that understanding, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always down to the individual. And I think people are afraid to take risks, you know, because once you can place the blame on someone else, there's security in that. Once you have to blame, place the blame on yourself, then it's like, oh, shit, I need to look at myself and try and do something about it. And that's a responsibility. And we feel like we have enough responsibilities. You know, people have to pay for their food. Some have to provide for family. Some people have to put roofs over heads. So the, yeah. the, the most respons- more responsibility people can push on someone else, I think the easier it makes them. And then at, at that time, it makes you more vulnerable and in many cases, more unhappy. Mm-hmm. So, Lee, what, what do you think about the, um, the current like formal education, education system and its limitations? Um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, a lot of it exemplified in my work, but my understanding of it is that it's definitely, I feel like it's, it's going to change, but it's definitely not catering to individuals and it's not, yeah. it's not moving as fast as the world is moving, you know, the more, yeah. the, just on the basis that the more we're understanding about human physiology and psychology is that the system, the, like certain, the edu- education system doesn't work for every kind of mindset. It doesn't work for every individual that's developed, making it inherently flawed because we're putting people into a system which is designed to make them fail. You know, and, yeah. that's, and that's my biggest, it's not moving with society in that aspect and it's not moving in society in terms of the skills that are relevant to, 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 um, to growth in a society or in terms of the skills that are relevant to surviving in society. The education system is not catering towards them and you end up leaving with essentially a bunch of skills which looks good on paper but in life, they're, they're pre- a lot of them are essentially useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know we talked about uh, quick fixes now. Everyone thinks like they're going to work and that. But I suppose gradual changes, like what would you like to see taught in schools, would change something? So, Sully, what would you think? Like, would you, what would you like to see taught in schools? Uh, I mean, on a like kind of broad scale, I think one of the biggest things I'd like to see taught would be like entrepreneurship, you know, just... Yeah. it's understanding the development of like like you know how to build yourself and not having to be not saying that everybody has to work build their own company but just understanding the workings of how you develop yourself so even if you want to fit into a company that someone else has built you understand your individual role in that rather than just going in as a, as a cog in a machine and just spinning around on the wheel over and over again and i think that's what okay. that's what the school system is kind of teaching at the moment and on a more specific level I think skills kind of like that allow you to kind of take care of a household you know as simple as like mortgaging learning about mortgages and like finances and then like things like networking you know things that are like more specific basic you know and things like with the world moving you know I think it's it's very um, interesting that um, now it's being made mandatory for kids to learn how to code because I think that is an example of the education system attempting to move with the, with the with society and the progressive um, direction that we're going in. Mm-hmm. Sully, I liked how you said business and school. That's a good, really good idea. But Sully, have you seen in some schools in the UK now how they've been incorporating their meditation practice into class? Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't even know that. I haven't been into. Well, I didn't know that. I haven't been into a school. Yeah, well. it's re, it's really good. It's 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 just a really good way to obviously. It's always going to be a benefit that for children. It's just a really good thing for them to incorporate into their lessons. It's just amazing. Yeah, totally. I think it is important to, to that they do like that people that in schools is taught psychological well-being. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I think that's an important part that we as humans tend to neglect. You know, that how you how how well are you psychologically and how you know spiritually how how um, 
how at peace are you with yourself? Yeah. yeah. Something I like to see would be like at the end of each class, each day the child writes down three things that they're grateful for. Like just showing gratitude mm. towards life, showing gratitude towards a fellow man because I think a lot of children are like individualized. Mm. So showing a bit of gratitude will get them out there and showing them togetherness as well. It's so true, isn't it? These, I think, I, I get, I totally get what you're saying. I totally miss that. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying in terms of skills that are actually like conducive to being a human being as well. Mm. So Leah, I, um, I noticed on your um, Instagram you've read the book The Warrior of Light. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. My wife yeah. recommended that. Yeah, I know it's a, like it's a book that shows people how to live as like spiritual beings, like sort of see in a material world. Mm. But I was wondering how, like, how, how have you adopted being like a spiritual being, see it in this material world that we live in now? Um, it, it's, I think for me, I'm st- I'm still working on that aspect of myself yeah. as well because I mean a lot of my spirituality growing up came from a religious standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. and then but with that as well, I feel like there's certain limitations when. Um, I think religion comes from a very pure place in, place in terms of the essence of it, but then there's certain things that have been inserted culturally, which are, which hinders the spiritual growth within the religion. You know, so um, so growing up in uh, growing up as a Muslim, there's a lot of well, I'm still Muslim, but there was a lot of things that was like allowed me to grow spiritually, but then there's a lot of things which hindered me to to um, to connect with my peers who wasn't thinking of the same way spiritually. So at the moment, yeah. it's, I'm 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 of pretty much a journey of discovery, you know, meditation is something that I've looked into. But at the same time, I, I think a lot, a lot of like, for me, a lot of prayer is very important. I think regardless of who you pray to, it's important to be great. Like you said, it's important to show gratitude for, for yeah. your for your daily existence and be aware that, you know, and me, energy is a big part of my stuff, you know. So like calm, pos- having positive karma and positive energy, I, I'm a big believer in you, what you reflect out into the world or in the universe is what's going to come back to you. So those are yeah. things that I'm just... I'm just struggling to find which words and which philosophies are exactly the ones that I want to abide by. But at the same time, I, I'm thinking, is there one specifically that I want to abide by? Or is there, is there one, is there one, does there have to be one understanding? But like I said, it's something I'm still coming to terms with. And I wouldn't sit here and be like, dude, I figured it out straight away. Yeah. So Lee, if you don't mind us asking, do you meditate as well? Um, no, 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 no. I've tried a few times I've, I've, and I've been meaning, I have quite a lot of friends that meditate. So I've been meaning yeah. to like, Someone, you know, um, there's the, I've, I've been meaning to go with my friend um, to a flotation tank as well and all, all these other things. But, yeah, I, there was a point when I was doing, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes, but that only lasted for about a week. So I'm still trying, like I said, I'm still trying to get into it. Like, neither, none of us is perfect, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Like, we, um, we've been doing the float tank a lot, and it's, it's an amazing experience. It's mm. just something completely different because... Throughout, obviously, in the day, you've got all this sensory input. And I, and I do know that like people do find meditation hard, but I just think the float tank's a perfect way to shut everything out. Yeah. It's amazing. But I just love how like more people are now looking into meditation as well and all these other tools and looking into spirituality because I think more people are now accepting spirituality in a way as well. Is Maybe at one time, like people would just like quickly dismiss like something like meditation in a way. But that's why I love how like this current generation now is like really pushing forward and they're really trying to like make a positive change. Yeah, no, I, I think it's inherent in our nature as humans, mm-hmm. and I think there was a period whereby I think initially as humans when we first emerged or came onto this earth, spirituality was a big part of our existence, you know. But I feel yeah. like we did at some point kind of become too um, too too self obsessed, and we started to believe that we can create everything and that. We're responsible for, you know, we can build machines that are going to make us better. But I think ultimately, 
ultimately, when all those things are put aside, you, your essence calls out to connect with your spirit because there's more to the world than everything that we can create or everything that we see or everything that we think is important. Yeah. Mm. It's like right now, like, we are becoming more of like a global community now. Mm. So, Sully, do you think like we are moving in the right direction? You know, I, I really, I really do, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too. Opt- I, I try to be optimistic, but I don't want to be too, too optimistic because I'm, I'm a person that gets so invested, and I don't want to feel like let down, you know. But I'm fingers crossed. I feel like we are moving in the direction with us being more connected. I mean, there's positives and there's negatives, but I, I t- I'm one of the people that tends to look at the positives, and I end up mm-hmm. investing so much in the positives. So I feel like we are moving in the right that direction. Like you said, with people becoming more consciously aware of their spirituality or people becoming more consciously aware of their health or even just their environment, you know, I'm, I feel like we are and I think like we're getting it. I'm just so scared of the fact that there's a danger for things to become a trend and then we lose the essence of it again and then we have to, re, we have to rediscover it, you know. But if you ask yeah. me the optimistic, Sully, yeah, I definitely hope so. Yeah. Sully, I think one big thing that is like it's inspiring people and it's influencing positivity in the world. And I think people, are, more people now are being inspired by truth, mm. which I love. That, that I hundred percent agree with. I, I, I think that yeah, I think that's an amazing thing about this generation that no one is just taking taking what's given to them and be like, yeah, this is all, this is right. Everyone is searching yeah. for truth, and the truth is meaning so powerful. It's becoming so powerful to us that that that's something that I can definitely agree with. Yeah, yeah. Like at the minute, like Sully, it feels like society is all blind. But to be honest, I think they've just got their eyes closed. Like the question I'd love to know is though, what happens when they open their eyes? Yeah, that's a scary one. What does happen when everyone opens their eyes? Mm, I feel like I, it can only be positive when, when everybody opens their eyes. But then you know, I feel like the pe- with a lot of the people in power, and maybe like this is where I start to blame the system. It's, it's more in their advantages to keep everyone's eyes closed. So they've made so many different blindfolds that it's, even when people do open their eyes, there's something pre- preventing them, you know. But I think if we do have the courage, and that's where it does take the strength to remove the blindfold, then I think the world has no choice but to, 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 to go in a positive direction because the facts yeah. are there when you look at them and the truth is there if you're willing to open yourself to it. Yeah. Like my feeling is that when we do all open our eyes together, like we don't longer hold ourselves into a category of this generation and we find out that we've always been together. Like we're all completely connected in like in this consciousness and spirit, like with our fellow brother and that we together have finally found the answer that we're all searching for, which is this deep feeling of love and honor of being together, like where societies are welcome, communities adored and individuals in a constant state of togetherness. The world then becomes like a beacon of freedom and, we then become like the biggest collective force together. Yeah, yeah man, I, I I agree with you. For, for me, community is like that's what like that's what that's a such a big deal for me. Like you know, obviously, I try to do as much as I can in my immediate community, but I think it will be so amazing when we do connect as a global community. And that's what and that's why I feel like a lot of people bash like social media and stuff. But that's one of the the biggest things that that's that's always what I have to remind myself that it is allowing yeah. us to foster a global community. And it's allowing us to, to share these ideas. Mm-hmm. I think as well that like when we do open our eyes, we'll all realise that we're all one in a way. Like from every person on this planet to even all beings in every galaxy, I think as well. Like when another person is born on this another planet or any other planet as well, 
that that is also like I think it's us being reborn again. Yeah, I think I think the universe is connected in infinite ways. You know, I think I don't even think our mind can really comprehend. Comprehend. I don't think we're we're, we're yeah. I don't think we're designed to be able to comprehend the infinity mm-hmm. of, of of the infi- infinite possibilities of how we are connected. You know, something for me like I thought about Sully. It's interesting because I feel that all through time it's been like an individual that's rose up and like impacted the world, like Martin Luther King, Gandhi, or even Nelson Mandela. But now, like. Now let's see. Maybe like we need this big collective movement. I feel, not just letting like an individual lead us. Yeah, I mean because I, I agree, man. Because I feel like with the individual, there's a danger of ideas dying with the individual. You know, and 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 the, and the more detached you become from their time and their circumstance, the more detached their message becomes from what you're living. So I definitely think it it, it will emerge like as a group effort. But like you said, it does take time. Mm-hmm. And it does take awareness, but you know, all it is is we can have patience and we can impact communities around mm-hmm. us in the meantime. So, Lee, if you could like, if you could leave one final message, let's say, like a younger person who was like maybe sitting in the bedroom, realizing that they like things need to change and they need to change their life. What would you maybe say to that person? Um, I'd say try and find your inner voice, which is not easy, and listen yeah. to it. In it, like your your intuition or your conscious always knows. Who will always talk to you in it? It's just about finding the time to listen, to listen to it, you know, and train yourself to listen to it. Wow, Sully, that was incredible. On that note, Sully, where can people find you, and what are you currently working on? Um, I mean, you can social media, everything, like any every platform is Sully Breaks, S U L I B R E A K S, and and currently, I'm I'm just working on, I'm doing a lot of writing, you know, I'm doing a lot of writing, and um. Hopefully I'll be doing an event in London in summer where I can get a lot of people to come out like to, to do my poetry and my speaking and performing. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm just working on. Just a lot of writing and a lot of thinking and a lot of self-evaluation. In the meantime, I'll be putting out little things here and there, but my main emphasis at the moment is really finding my voice and writing. Mm. So, Lee, I'd just like to say thank you for being an amazing guest and just keep doing what you're doing and keep pushing the boundaries. Thank you, bro. In a bit, in a bit just to inspire and inform a new generation. It's just amazing. Thank you. Thank you, bro, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, no pleasure, though, man. You guys take care of yourself, yeah? Let's play a game. You guess who used to work at The Gap? Kanye West. Guess who used to sell hot dogs at the mall? Eva Mendes. I heard President Andrew Johnson was a tailor, George Washington was a surveyor, Herbert Hoover was an engineer, Theodore Roosevelt was a rancher and President Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. Hugh Jackman who plays Wolverine was a clown, but look who's laughing now. You know what I noticed about successful people? Successful people take a course of action which coincides with their belief or passion. Put your hand up if you work a 9 to 5 or 5 to 9 or just any job which you don't enjoy but takes up half your time. Well hopefully in a couple weeks, months, days, years time you'll be able to come back to this video, hear that first line and keep your hand down. Because how many times have you visualised taking a pen from the manager's desk? Or the one the cashier keeps behind the till, the one your supervisor places it strategically in their hair, or the one the security guard keeps behind his ear for extra intimidation and writing your resignation. Because there's nothing wrong with making an honest living, 
but be honest. Are you honestly living? With this mean or job which allows you just to stay afloat. Yes, a job, a J-O-B, which leaves you just over broke every single month. Living your life just for the weekend. Living life just on the weekend. Because the other five days belong to your manager. You see, there's a big difference between a job and a career. Because in a career, no matter how many hours you work, you do it because it's satisfactory. But in a job, you do it for a salary. Because you're stuck in the rat race. And you know, being stuck in the rat race is one of the biggest of traps. Because as a matter of fact, even if you win the rat race, you're still just a rat. See, I understand the need to have a job temporarily, but pursue a career eventually. Because in my J-O-B, I used to sell at least 200 shoes a day and none of that was ever reflected in my pay. One of my colleagues once made the company five grand in one month. And you know what he got? An email, a 20 pound discount voucher and a complimentary lunch. And you think you're safe because your job is commission based. Until you've been working there for three years and a secretary with the short skirt gets a promotion because her and the boss went for dinner real late. I'm sure you can relate. But wait, are we still happy with an extra week holiday and a raise in a salary? Perhaps we need more clarity. Let's look at the statistics. Because the industrial revolution was beneficial technologically but it coerced a lot of people into factories for ridiculous salaries to benefit their families and that shaped people's mentalities exponentially and essentially it became the norm to work for someone else by the turn of the century and I could have regurgitated facts and figures to support this but I choose not to boast plus that would give them nothing to write about in the Huffington Post now in three years I've had six jobs and that made me think that long term I could never be happy working one of these jobs and I used to have a rich uncle called Steve and they say that apple don't fall far from the tree so maybe subconsciously I was trying to get one of Steve's jobs. I understand more than anyone that a job allows you to pay the bills, make ends meet and survive. But that's exactly what it is, surviving, not living. I hope you're aware of the difference. It's like when you hear but don't listen. Because you can hear good advice, but if you don't heed it, it does no benefit to your system. The same way only knowledge with application is wisdom. I hope you're creating the distinction. Sean Corey Carter said it best. Nine to five is how you survive, and I'm not trying to survive. So he strived hard for his dream, and look where it took him. So bear that in mind next time you drive past that arena in Brooklyn. But then again, survival is the only trait that every human being has in common. And do not take this as a reason to quit your job. Go back home and stare at a computer screen. Because a government check plus idleness does not equal success. Success will not fall in your lap. In my family we have a saying. It says if you really want to grow trees, pray for rain but don't neglect to water your seeds. Chase your dreams. Because I wrote this on the back of a payslip on the late shift, the grave shift, of slave shift for makeshift wages. Google the term corporate sharecropping and you understand what I'm talking about. If somebody wants, if somebody wants to do these jobs, then let them. And from the bottom of my heart, I respect them. Because I once met a garbage man who was the happiest man that I've ever met. But don't become a slave to a paycheck. Because a job is a safe net. 
the condom which the system uses to screw you and none of us would be here if everyone practiced safe sex <laughs> stand tall and if you're not sure if you're building someone else's dream maybe this will help jerry jow said you will recognize your own path when you come upon it because you'll suddenly have all the energy and imagination you will ever need and don't be afraid to innovate because it's not about how much change you make but rather about how much change you make because a business that makes nothing but money is a poor business so you decide what your life is worth your passion or your paycheck because your playing small does not serve the world because what is our deepest fear it's not that we're inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure confucius choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life peace thank you for taking time out to listen head over to beastify.com for other previous episodes and while you're at it tell a friend about the podcast let's keep pushing forward as human beings and together we can improve this experience and enjoy this journey